The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your your prayers and your alms have ascended as memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate, and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for how great you are, how powerful and holy you are, Lord. Um, You see things that are beyond our perspective, God. Um, Lord, I pray that this morning as we listen to this message, God, that we would be reminded of that. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Janie. Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers. Um, I just want to encourage the kids. Kids, you out there? You out there, kids? All right. One of the things I love about... Our service out here is that we have the kids with us. And um, I just want to encourage you, kids, today, tell your mom how much you love them. Bless your mom today. Pray for your mom today. Okay, take a moment to do that. Because I remember when my wife became a mother. It was over 11 years ago, this little guy over here um, in the corner, uh, Kai, And I remember thinking to myself, my wife is the strongest person I've ever met. To see what she went through 
to, to make sure that he got into this world healthy. I, I thought to myself, she's the strongest person I've ever met. And so I am so thankful for mothers today. And um, I just encourage you kids to, to bless your moms. Just be so thankful for them. Um, and today we are going to be continuing in our series in the book of Acts. And uh, our text is from Acts chapter 10. Now, last week we went through uh, Acts chapter 9, and, and into the end of 9 and into chapter 10, we see the story shift a little bit. The, the, the narrative's moving more towards Peter now, and so Peter is going to be uh, the focus of today. And, and our message is this, the gospel for the outsider. The gospel for the outsider. As we've seen throughout the book of Acts is that the gospel is moving, it's flowing, it's, it's, it's coming in, in, into people's lives, breaking through into the unexpected places in people's lives. And today what we're going to see is that the good news of Jesus breaks through in, in a new and profound way that is, is really important for us to understand today as the church. Now Mahatma Gandhi, he shared in, in his autobiography that when he was a student in the days that he lived in, in England, he was deeply touched by reading the Gospels and seriously considered becoming a Christian, which seemed to offer a real solution to the caste system which he had seen divide his people in India. And so one Sunday he attended a church service and decided to ask the minister for some insight into salvation and other doctrines. But when Gandhi entered the sanctuary, the ushers refused to give him a seat and suggested that he go elsewhere to worship with his own people. He left and never came back. He wrote, if Christians have caste differences also, I might as well remain a Hindu. See, what is God in Acts chapter 10 trying to teach us today? Well, what we see is that he is breaking down the walls and systems that divide the insider from the outsider. He's making room for all people and showing us that his church is not just for some, but, but, but anyone who would come to Jesus. But sadly, in many ways, we still don't get it. See, walls divided people during the time of the, the, the early church and, and also still divide us today. And so what is it that God does to break through some of those barriers? Well, what we see first is this, that he converts us. He converts us. We, we need a conversion to happen, a transformation, an inward change to happen inside of us. And so that's what we see in today's text. See, uh, Tony Morita, who's a, a commentator on this text, says, in order to convert Gentile Cornelius, and most of us should be able to relate to Gentile Cornelius because maybe we don't come from a Jewish descent, and so this is really important for us, is to show the Jewish Christians, the gospel was for everyone without distinction. God had to first convert Peter. 
God had to first convert Peter. God had to do a work in Peter's heart and his life of, of something that he didn't see. That was a blind spot for him. But again, the gospel is breaking through in his life. And so our text today is from Acts 10. And just to give some background here, this is the first time we've seen Peter since we saw him back in Acts chapter 8. And at that point, Peter was bringing the gospel to the Samaritan people. Again, the outsiders. And so God is slowly working on Peter's heart as he, he sends Peter to go to the Samaritans, who before he didn't want to associate with the Samaritans. But Jesus willingly associated with Samaritans. He talked with them. And so now he's, he, he's sent to the Samaritans. But we see at the a- end of, of, of chapter uh, 9 here that, that God is starting to work powerfully through Peter in, in profound ways. And the reason he's doing that is he's legitimizing that Peter is a leader within the church. He's a leader within the early church. And so we see him doing some amazing, miraculous things here as an apostle. But at the end of Acts 9, Peter is shown by God that God has the power to overcome disease. He has the power to overcome death. But now in chapter 10, he has the power to overcome discrimination. And so that's what we're going to see in today's text. And so how does God make room for the outsider? And what does he have to do in the heart of Peter to convert him, to help him to understand God's ways, not just Peter's ways? Well, he does this in three ways. Uh, The first one is this, by, by revealing indwelling sin. Second, by shattering social divides. And number three, embracing his children. So we're going to be looking at different parts of of chapter 10. Not all of it was read at the beginning there because it's a long chapter that we're breaking down. But first, the first point is this, revealing indwelling sin. Now look at verses 12 through 18. This is talking about the vision here that Peter gets. It says, in this vision, uh, there were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. So what's happening here? Well, to understand the context here, we must first see that the author Luke is placing two accounts side by side. Two accounts side by side. Uh, First, we see Cornelius at the very beginning of chapter 10, a devout man who feared God but was not of Jewish descent. And we find that he was praying. Next, we see Peter also spending time in prayer in verse 9. And what happens is that both men get a vision. Cornelius gets a vision of an angel, and this angel says to send for Peter. Peter gets this vision about 
unclean animals. Now, before we get into that, the, the important thing to understand is that for Cornelius to hear the gospel, to hear the good news about Jesus, for him to hear this, God had to address the indwelling sin that still lived within Peter. And this is what should hit us. Yes, it's the same Peter who God was powerfully working through. Right? We see it in Acts 9 at the end of there, but that did not mean that he did not have indwelling sin that needed to be addressed. What this should remind us of today is this. None of us are above or have, have overcome all of our sin. All of us are prone to this. And so we see that Peter again and again is being addressed in a very public manner because we're all reading it here today. But it's to teach us. And so let's ask this. Why did Peter struggle with this? Why was he struggling with this? It's the same reason you and I struggle with it. Right? Again, it's all relatable. Tony Marita, again, the commentator says, the propensity to discriminate is a result of humanity's sinful, fallen nature. People discriminate against others based on age, appearance, ancestry, affluence, and achievements. We must understand that prejudice in its many forms is evil, and we must repent of it. Further, we must keep repenting of the tendency to discriminate because it is deeply ingrained in many of us, even without realizing it. Right, so we got to underline, like, even without realizing it. Realizing it, even the Apostle Peter had to struggle to overcome the sin of showing partiality, right? To show favoritism. He was struggling with this. We see this later in the book of Galatians. He has to be addressed again by the Apostle Paul about this. And do you know what he asks him? He says this. He says, is your life in alignment with the gospel? He says, because you're treating the Jewish differently than the Gentile, and you won't associate with the Gentile, and so you know why you're doing that? It's because you're not believing the gospel. You're not believing the good news. And so he had to be addressed about this again later, but God is bringing this forth right here in Acts chapter 10. Now look at verses 16 through 17, okay? And so this vision happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were, who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. And so the first thing we need to understand is this. This vision came three times. It, it just keeps coming up like this for Peter. Maybe for us, it, we were the same way, Right? It's like God keeps having to show us the same thing again and again because we're not getting the message. For Peter, it took him three times to get the message. But here's what it says, that he, he started to think about it after it happened the third time. It hits him the third time. He starts to, to think about it. It says that he was inwardly perplexed. Something started to rattle around inside to say that Maybe God is trying to tell me something here. Maybe God's trying to show me something here. And then I love it next because it says this word right here, behold. 
Behold, no longer do you need to be perplexed, um, Peter. I'm going to bring it right to you. You ever had that happen before? Or something that you, you're, you're like, I think I kind of struggle with this. And then it's like brought right in your face. Like, oh, I do struggle with this. I do have anger issues. I do have revenge issues. I do have critical spirit issues, right? Like it's like, maybe I do. Like kind of. And then, and then it's like, no, I do. Yep. You're bringing that person in my life. Uh, behold, there they are. All right. Behold. And now I realize that it's not just theoretical, but I really do have an issue. And so now, behold, there are people waiting for Peter, and God is showing him firsthand how much he struggles with this prejudice and partiality that's still rattling around in his heart, which is sin. It's sin. And so what happens next? Well, number two is shattering social divides. Verses 25 through 28 and and 34 through 37. So this is where we get into deeper territory here in uh, Acts 10. So verse 25. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. And so here's what's happening here. God is shattering social divides. How's this happening? Well, first, he's reminding Peter of this, his common humanity with Cornelius and all the people that are there. His common humanity. Verse 25 through 26, he talks about this. It says, when Peter entered, Cornelius uh, met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Right, so there, there, there's there, there's some confusion of for for Cornelius here of what's happening. He he just saw an angel. He's like, okay, this is a man of God. Maybe I should just start worshiping. But but Peter lifted him up, saying, "Stand up, I too am a man." What's happening? Why is this important? Because Peter is being shown that he he has a common humanity with Cornelius. No, no, no don't worship me. Don't lift me up. I'm going to lift you up. We're the same. Genesis 126 says this, when God, or then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. What happens when you start to see that someone next to you is not so different after all, but they have a common humanity with you? They are a creation of God, an image bearer of God, just like you. It humbles us, doesn't it? And so God here is humbling Peter in his pride. 
and his prejudice and saying we have a common humanity. We are all creations of God. But second, he's addressing this, common practices that were happening during the time. Verse 28, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. Now, here's the thing. I, I did a lot of research and reading up on this because I was like, okay, where does this come from? And what Peter was talking about here is th- there is no scripture that made this a law. That a, a, a Jewish person, it was unlawful for them to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. Like there, there's no scripture based on this. But what he was talking about was a common practice that they believed. Um, and so this was not a God directive. This was a societal norm that Peter was living in. This is what was a common practice across the board. And so uh, Tacitus, who was a first century Roman historian, talked about how this was just common practice. They, they, Jewish people did not associate with Gentile people. And, and it's part of it, the, the reasoning is like, well, if, if we could just not be around them, then maybe we'll, they won't be a stumbling block to us doing something wrong. Right, and so for many of us, we might have those type of barriers too. Well, I don't really associate with those type of people because if I went over and, and, and associated with them or talked with them, then you know what? It's going to cause me to stumble. It's going to cause me to um, really, really be tempted. And so, you know, it's like that, 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 that kind of like distancing ourselves from people, like there was some rules that they made up so that they didn't break any ceremonial laws. And so Peter is addressing this and he's saying, okay, this is, this is a reality that I live in. For me, as a Jewish person, to be here, it would be unlawful. Like people have made laws that I shouldn't be hanging out with you. Okay? But third, God offers this common grace. This common grace. Look at verses 34 through 35. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Right, as he starts to listen to Cornelius' story, because that's what happens next is he starts to listen to his story. And Peter just had a vision. And he finds out that Cornelius had a vision. And it starts to match up that in their times of prayer that God was speaking to both of them and that God wanted them to meet. And he found out that God was speaking to people of other ethnicities, not just his ethnicity. He was speaking to people of other races, not just his race. And this was a a shattering thing for the box in which Peter had placed God in. And he needed to to come to this and and grasp this, just just like come really near to this so that he could see it. God said, let me bring it to you. Psalm 145.9 says this, The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. Here's the thing. God is shattering the prejudice within Peter and showing him that all people are made in God's image and that all people need God's grace. 
And so he goes on to share the gospel. He talks about Jesus. He talks about Jesus' history, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. We can read it all here, but I'm sure much more is being said here about Jesus and how God, he ends this with how God forgives sins through Jesus. How God forgives sins through Jesus. Here's the thing. There's a common humanity, but there's a common struggle that all of us have, and it's sin. But what is it that brings us together? It's the work of Jesus. And so as he's proclaiming Jesus, what happens next? Well, the third point is this. He he sees that God is embracing his children. Verse 42 through 45. And he commanded us to preach to the people And to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Verse 43, while Peter was still saying these things, while you're still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. So lastly, what do we see? As Peter is preaching the gospel, God embraces his children. God embraces his children. Look at, look at verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people. Who commanded? Jesus commanded to preach to the people. So now he's, he just preached. He was sharing about Jesus. And he says this. He's the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. Here's a common thing for all of us. Is that all of us, at some point, it's going to end. It's going to end. Our life will end. And there will be one. And all of us will get there. And we will meet the one. And it is Jesus. He says that we'll, he is the one who judges the living and the dead. We're all under him. And look what happens in verse 43. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Now, we see the Spirit of God is, is working in power in the life of the Gentiles. Just like what happens when we, remember when we looked at Acts chapter 2. And, and here's the thing. Is this a surprise to Peter? Yes. <laughs> yes. He's coming there. He's preaching the gospel. He's sharing about Jesus. Okay, God, I'm doing what you want me to do. But, but God surprises him. Now, is this a surprise to God? No. Nope. It's a part of his plan. See, this is important. Who's first to embrace Cornelius and the Gentiles as family? Who's the first one? It's God. It's God. Do you know what it talks about when it it talks about God uh, saving? Uh, The apostle Paul, Paul talked about um, when he got saved, he, he talked about how, how the, the great anticipation that God had as he was about to save Saul. And I'm just picturing the excitement as, as God is, is sending the Holy Spirit and, and the Spirit falls as the word is being preached and God is saving and embracing the Gentile people. The ones that were once outsiders are now insiders. They're part of the family. My grandmother, Grandma Grace, 
beautiful woman of God. I love her. Uh, every time we go to Hawaii, uh, it seems like we're, 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 we're somewhere. We're at a grocery store. We're doing something. And um, she, she sees somebody. And we start talking to him. And she says, Randall, that, that's your cousin. That's your cousin. I'm like, oh, cool. That's my cousin. I, I didn't know that. Right, like th- there's, there's family, like literally on the street that my grandmother lives on, like you, you go down this way, this way. This was all like where our family lived. And again, like I don't know all my family. I do not know all the people that live down the street. The, the only times I see some of them are like, you know, when, when we're just walking around like in a grocery store. She's like, starts talking to me. She's like, yeah, that's your family. I went, Wow. And so the same thing is happening right here for Peter. It's, it's, it's God is embracing this new family. He said, that's your family. That's your brother. That's your sister. Peter didn't know it, but God knew it. I didn't know that was my family until my grandmother told me. And now there's a different relationship there. See, later reflecting on this event, Peter says this in Acts 11, 17, he says, If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? You ever thought like that before? You ever thought to yourself, who am I that I'm standing in God's way? Because it happened in such a powerful way for Peter that God showed him it's not about you Peter it's about what I'm doing and I'm here to embrace my children and my children might not look like what you thought they would look like but they're a part of the family you see God as he's breaking down the barriers of prejudice and partiality in Peter's heart he's embracing his children that again once were outsiders but now are a part of the family and again it takes us back to the personal prejudice and partiality that we can unknowingly allow to dwell within our own hearts. You know, one of the things that, that's very common in our community here is in conversations is that, you know, the trolley is coming in to our community. And I've been in a number of discussions with people that, that are like, oh, that's, that's a good thing. And then other people that aren't, say this is a really bad thing. And I know that there's different uh, challenges and things that, that come with that. But, but people, you know, they say, well, we don't want uh, pe- poor people coming in our community. We, we don't want that. And there's going to be more crime and things like that. And, you, you know, there's all of those things. Those are conversations that people are having. And I understand there's different, there's different things that, that come with that. But, but, but my question is this. Are we living in a world where we look down at poor people? Where we think that we're like we're above or, or, or like what is that, right? Because maybe we might not think like, oh yeah, well I, I, I have this kind of spirit about me. But, but maybe God is showing us that maybe we do. Maybe we do. And, 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 and here's the thing. These things are happening whether, whether you choose it or not. But my question is this. As the church, as, as Christians, do we live differently and love those 
who, who might be coming from other backgrounds and challenges that we might not even know about. Right? Those are, those are real things. And so for me, I, 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 I think these are, these are realities that we still face in different segments of our lives. Not just you know, cultural, ethni- ethnicity, any of those types of things, but in other areas as well. I, am I sensitive to what all people are going through and what, what challenges they may be facing? Or do I like to pick and choose? right, And, and make it, well, I'm just going to hang out with these people or these people. But really, how do we, how do we love? And, and, how, and, and really, as Christians, what does it look like to live out the gospel wherever God's placed us? And whatever comes. And so just some takeaways. What can we learn from today's text? Well, <clears throat> the first one is this. Ask God to reveal your blind spots. And I was being nice when I said blind spots. But ask God to reveal your blind spots. Okay? See, all of us, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, have indwelling sin that we struggle with. And maybe it's because of our past. Maybe it's something that we've experienced. And so we're like, well, I don't like these type of people or these type of people because they hurt me or I had these really bad experiences. But, but I, I, I just ask that God illuminate these areas in our lives so that he can heal us. So that he can heal us. Just an insight. God, you, know, you know where God reveals this to Peter? He reveals it to him in prayer. In prayer. In personal prayer. It says he was he was up on the roof, he was praying, and then he got the vision. And he doesn't know, you know, we, I'm not saying that you're gonna have a vision or anything like that, but but maybe we don't really realize or we have these blind spots because we don't spend enough time in prayer and personal prayer and reflection and asking God, could you reveal these things to me? Asking the Lord to reveal those things to me? Because they're in there. They're in there. You know, one of the things that we used to have at this church that I worked at uh, was this big, like, Christmas thing. It was called The Journey. And so they put on, like, this huge production. I mean, thousands and thousands of people would come through it. And, and I was um, one of the angels the you know gay really comes and announces uh to mary and so i had my lines and wearing this angel robe i don't know why it's just like you know just like get the angel robe i'm i've got these stories about you know all that but um i remember uh finishing up and, and the guy who was heading it up he says you know we got a lot of comments a lot of critiques um i don't know why he shared this with me, but he said um you know one of the comments and critiques that we got was that um, angels don't have uh, black hair and darker skin and and so uh, I was never cast as the angel again <laughs> but um, but here's the thing that that was one of the comments and the comments said well angels have blonde hair and, and blue eyes and um, I just remember thinking about that and I was like man well I wonder what he thinks Jesus looks like I wonder what you think Jesus looks like. You know what I mean? Like, you're just going to be a real big surprise when you find out who Jesus is. 
But friends, the the reason like I'm saying this is because I'm guessing that that person who wrote that comment down wasn't like trying to be malicious or anything like that. But they were just trying to be accurate to the story that was in their head. Right? They, that's the story that they thought it should look like. And so that was a big blind spot for them. And what I'm saying is like as, you know, as that story is, there there's areas in our lives too like for me where I got blind spots and I need the Lord to show me or I'm going to be making hurtful comments like that right or 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 just kind of like saying well this is what the story really is and and so we got to be open to critique and we got to ask the Lord okay critique my heart and show me the indwelling sin that still lives within me the second one is this seek God's way even when it's not popular See God's way even when it's not popular. Here's the thing. If your Christianity is just flowing with the rest of culture and it, there, there's no like, like resistance to any of it, that might not be Christianity. That might not be the word of God. Right? We got to ask ourselves, are, are we going with just societal norms? Because that's what Peter was doing. He was cool with just societal norms until he had to realize, hold on, I think I'm breaking the laws here um, of, of what people say is common practices. And he had to go against that and then realize, okay, what is God's way? And who is my neighbor for real? Not just the neighbors that I choose, but who is for real my neighbor? See, because God has loved us to call our neighbor, na- or to love our neighbor. He's called us to love our neighbor. But I also want to make this distinction. Love doesn't mean that we completely agree with our neighbor. That whatever our neighbor thinks is really what it should be or that's what real love looks like. Because what I see is that God defines what real love is in his word. And God defines what the truth is and what the the, the false things are. And so am I guided by that? But but is my love going to be loving towards people who aren't like me? Right? Because at the end of the day, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. The second one is this, embrace God's vision for his church. Are we building up walls to keep people out? Maybe intentionally or unintentionally? Or are we building the kingdom of God? Towards the end of his book, uh, The Courage to Stand, Russell Moore talks about a church in Birmingham, Alabama. And this church was complicit towards racism in the 1960s. And here's what he writes. He says, somewhere in Alabama, there's a shuttered church that used to thrive. But it could not see the difference between the kingdom of God and Southern culture, between the body of Christ and the White Citizens Council. The gospel, however, moved on without it. And as in the rest of the world, the mission is carried out by people who would have been excluded by that church in its heyday. As a matter of fact, most of the gathered crowd around the throne in Revelation 5 would have been excluded from membership, as would have the dark-skinned, non-English-speaking Middle Easterner sitting on the throne in the midst of the scene. You might say he was already excluded a long time ago. I want us to think about that. I want us to think about that. 
God, as we think about Jesus, as we think about what he's done, as we think about who he is, not the picture that we've tried to paint in our minds, but the one that embraces his children. Do you see the sin within your own heart? I know I do. Do you see a vision for what only God can do? Say, God, can you please overcome my prejudice, my partiality, the areas in my life that need transformation? And do you see God willingly embracing you and me through grace, by faith in Jesus Christ? We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We didn't have it all together. But he met us in that place, just like he did Peter. Revelation twenty two seventeen says this, The spirit of the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Take the water of life without price. Friends, that's our king. That's our king calling us saying, Come. Come be a part of my family. Come be a part of my kingdom. It might look a lot different than what's up in your head, but it's going to be so much better. And you can come just like everybody else. It's only through one door. It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. The way, the truth, the life. Come through Jesus. Come through that door. All nations, all people, come. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the ways in which you're working and and moving in our lives and our hearts. And, And I pray that in each of us, you show us these areas where we need to repent. I need to repent. Help, Help us to love the least of these as you've loved us. Help us to love the outcast and say you have a place here because of what Jesus has done. Change our hearts, Lord. Show us areas where we need your grace to fill us and change us. Thank you for the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.